Coming up on Stew Does America, from labradoodle breeders to ritualistic mass suicides, the media has exactly zero issues with publishing really whatever they have to to land an attack on the president. This is definitely the fourth estate the founders imagined, right? We can all agree on that one, right? Then a look at the small business loan program from the perspective of someone who actually has to deal with it. What is the best way for an American business to stay on its feet right now? If you guess sarcastic Twitter engagement, then no, no that's not right. And to snitch or not to snitch? That is the question that will lead to one getting stitches or maybe rewards, as we've learned recently. We update the saying for a 2020 coronavirus-riddled population. It's a new week, and that means a new chance to become a part of the Stu Does America family by subscribing to our content on YouTube, Facebook, or your favorite podcast platforms. Completely free. And what do you got to lose? Plus, you give one of those five-star ratings, stellar reviews. I see when you're doing it. Keep it up, you adorable soldiers. And consider a subscription to Blaze TV. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to watch the Cuomo Brothers on freaking CNN? No, that's not what's going to happen. Not this audience. Get your truth and your entertainment right here where we actually care about you and not just your clicking ability. Head to blazetv.com slash stew. Sign up today. And using the promo code stew will accomplish two things. You'll get everyone to know. We'll let everyone know that you kind of love this stupid show that we do every time. Um, and you'll also save 30 bucks on your subscription price, which is uh, currently enough to buy 14 round-trip flights in first class. Last week, we posited that the lost elderly uh, person who was trapped in the studio, remember that? Uh, might be our missing Vice President Joe Biden. Well, he's gone now. And look, there's an unpleasantly kind of colored stain remaining there in the corner. So that situation could have gone several ways. We don't know yet. We'll check the security tapes and get back to you. Stu does America. Welcome, America, to day 32 of our national nightmare, which also turns out to be quite a wonderful development for Joe Biden. It's been 32 days since he was accused of sexual assault by a former staffer, and still, Joe Biden has not been asked about it. It's not for lack of evidence, of course. In fact, there is far more evidence against Biden than Brett Kavanaugh. The accusation is much more recent against Biden. And unlike Kavanaugh, the American people actually have a say in whether Biden gets elected. So this knowledge is far more important to share, but not being shared. In fact, there are two more contemporaneous witnesses that have surfaced today. We'll get into that in a little while. But it's all a reminder about how incredible the media bias in this country has become. It's sort of like one of those Scoville scales, right? You know, where they measure how hot a pepper is. The bell pepper, not hot at all, you know. The poblano, maybe a little heat. The jalapeno, hotter than that, of course, and so on and so on. We sort of had that situation developing with the media. When George W. Bush was supposedly stealing the election back in 2000, we were at jalapeno levels. Basic bias, no big deal. Sure, the media own, you know, the media's own recounts showed that Bush won. But why bother with those sorts of details? By the time the Obama... Uh, White House was being showered with uh, praise and glory in 2008-2009. We had hit habanero levels. Then comes Donald Trump in 2016. We're up at the ghost pepper. We're at the ghost pepper at that point. Media does not, uh, you know, really even try anymore. They've essentially lost its mind, and it feels like it couldn't get any hotter than we currently have it. But every single day, the media somehow outdoes itself. And here we are at Carolina Reaper level. A pepper so hot that we all just want to be put out of our misery. This brings me to Labradoodles. 
Reuters has the bombshell. Special report. Former Labradoodle breeder was tapped to lead U.S. pandemic task force. Wow, this proves it. I mean, everybody's dying from coronavirus. Why? Donald Trump has some dog breeder running the response. Of course, they're all dying. As you'd expect, the response was pretty dramatic. Only in the Trump administration could a dog breeder find himself leading a pandemic containment strategy, said Daniel Wessel, the DNC's deputy war room director, which is a job that is superior to dog breeder in absolutely no world that anyone is familiar with. Salon.com took a break from their Trump gets reelected panicked fever dream to write this headline. Trump administration chose ex-labradoodle breeder to lead coronavirus task force report. Chris Hayes felt the need to pile on as well. So a labradoodle breeder is currently running the day-to-day federal government response to a once-in-a-century pandemic. (laughs) See how he's talking down to you when he does that? It's so effective. And... Stephen Colbert continued his mission of proving he should never do a show without a laugh track. Also, don't forget to spay and neuter your virus. For more on the latest breakthroughs, I'll turn it over now to my colleague, Dr. Scruffles. Dr. Scruffles, get out of the garbage! Bad doctor! Bad doctor! (laughs) Wasn't that hilarious? (laughs) Stephen Colbert. 40 million a year or something for that. I'd be shocked to hear that this allegation against the Trump administration isn't credible in any way. The target of the attack was a guy named Brian Harrison. He was the owner of a business named Dallas Labradoodles. This is basically the end of the truth behind the story. That's it. First, Harrison didn't go to college for dog sex. He was an economics major. He then worked for the Social Security Administration after being hired by Michael Riley, who was the Associate Deputy Secretary at the Department of Health and Human Services. He was then promoted to work in the Deputy Secretary's office and on the staff of the General Counsel, a guy named Alex Azar. You might know that name. Harrison, the guy the media has been demeaning as nothing but a dog breeder, was then promoted again this time to work in the office of Vice President Dick Cheney. Keep in mind, this dude is in his 20s at this time. Okay, this is all happening in his 20s. And he still has, by the way, never bred one dog. After working with Cheney, he went to work at the Pentagon. Eventually, he did move to Texas. Was it just to chase all that dog breeding cash that we all know and desire so? No, this is where the media crosses the line from being misleading to disgusting. He left his amazingly promising government career in Washington to move to Texas because his wife's father was dying. Back in Texas, Harrison took a job with a PR firm for the same guy who hired him initially in D.C. He again had to leave that job, this time because his wife had developed medical problems. It was in this context in which the family developed a love for the Labradoodle breed, and they started a side business breeding them. Harrison was also working on a home-building business as well as a political campaign, perhaps micromanaging a bunch of Labradoodle's sex lives. Was this his main focus? It's possible. But all indications are that even when the business was open, it wasn't a huge focus of his. He was a longtime government employee with vast experience in the HHS, vice president's office, and the Pentagon. He wasn't just a dog breeder. 
When Alex Azar was named the head of HHS, he wanted Harrison to be the deputy chief of staff, but getting him to move to Washington wasn't in the cards. Why? My guess is he was rolling in the dog sex money. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to leave Texas, the dog sex capital of the South. New slogan, by the way, just announced today. But when the Azars uh, and got the job, chief of staff leaves last summer, they went to Harrison for the big job. Chief of staff. Pretty good gig. This is the real story, a little different than how Rachel Maddow described it, talking about the Labradoodles breeding. Maddow's blog wrote, Harrison parlayed that experience into a prominent role on Azar's team as the Department of Health at the Department of Health and Human Services. Right, because it wasn't the, uh, you know, extensive and uh, relevant government agency experience he had uh, that had them calling. No, it was the dog breeding. It's like saying, do you believe that they put a store clerk in charge of ending slavery and winning the Civil War? (laughs) I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I suppose Abraham Lincoln did work at a store at one point, but I don't think it's all that relevant. And are we honestly supposed to take this sort of criticism seriously from the left? This is a movement led by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, someone who actually was a bartender right before she got her job in Congress and had no other experience to speak of. Also, she has the IQ of a pluot, which puts her in between the IQ of a plum and an apricot. That's just a fact. But as the argument goes, regardless of government experience, I understand it. You know, look. He might have government experience, but he's no doctor. What we needed was someone with medical experience to make the recommendation. And, and that, you know what? Like, that's true. It's a fair point, which is why Brian Harrison was never tapped to lead the response to the coronavirus. Credit to the Dallas Morning News, who actually called the media out on this one. They write, by all accounts of those who worked with him, Harrison is a serious public servant with deep experience. And he was never in charge of pandemic containment strategy. He was, rather, assigned a typical role for a cabinet secretary uh, and their chief of staff. What is a typical role for the chief of staff? With uh, experts like Dr. Fauci and CDC director Dr. Redfield at the table, quote, your job is to keep the trains moving. It's not being the guy who comes up with with the idea about what HHS does about testing, uh, said uh, Harrison's predecessor as chief of staff under Azar. People uh, have this idea that it's some kind of czar job. Your staff... Keeping the trains moving. Having a job that deals with the logistics of pandemic response and heading up a pandemic response are two different things. Of course, logistics are really important, which is why you hire someone who you really value to do the job. A description that Harrison clearly met. This is why it's hard to get competent people to work in government. There's no reason to believe that Harrison did anything wrong. In fact, at no time in either the Reuters story or the Wall Street Journal story that also mentioned the Labradoodles for some reason, is Harrison even accused of doing anything wrong, with the exception of not inviting the FDA commissioner to initial task force meetings. And as you probably know, not inviting an FDA commissioner to a meeting is punishable by death in most modern democracies. CNN commissioned an op-ed that acknowledged the basic facts, quote, to be fair, Harrison previously worked in the office of the deputy HHS secretary in George W. Bush administration and has had all positions at other federal agencies such as the Social Security Administration, according to his HHS website. But his background in public health is limited, having studied economics at Texas A&M University. That is a good point. 
especially since the coronavirus hasn't affected our economy in any way. To be fair, a lot of this is uh, part of the effort to blame Alex Azar for everything that went wrong in the response. There's a decent amount of circumstantial evidence that a behind-the-scenes war is currently waging between one faction of the Trump administration and Azar with the intent of shifting blame over to him. In this pretty likely scenario, Harrison's labradoodle exploits are just a fun little aside and his character and experience being destroyed, just collateral damage. It's likely other administration enemies leaking stuff to the press about Harrison, but that doesn't excuse the media for running with it. Imagine you're running CNN for a second. Think of the mental magic tricks you have to be playing on yourself to think that it's worth mentioning the short-term family business of a government staffer and not mentioning the government staffer's sexual assault allegation against the potential president of the United States that is now backed up by four different people told at the time and one phone call to Larry King that happened on your network. This is the state of the media right now. And there's not a pepper hot enough to describe how badly it's burning all of us. Roses are red. Social distancing makes us blue. Can't be with mom this Mother's Day. Don't worry, we got you. Maybe you can't have mom uh, in the house. You can't give her a hug in person. That sucks, especially this time of year. Uh, but you know what? The Books Company is there. Books, short for bouquets. Uh, Books are responsibly sourced from some of the world's finest eco-friendly farms. Even farms on the side of volcanoes, which just sounds awesome. Also, flowers uh, stay fresher and longer. These are awesome flowers. Did you know that flowers and plants have been proven to reduce stress and boost productivity? I'm not going to be productive during the quarantine no matter what. That's, that's a rule, and I will stay to it. But I wouldn't mind uh, calming down a little bit, maybe lowering the stress levels just a tad. I think that's something we can all take right now. Big savings mean you can send farm-fresh flowers, plants, and gift bundles to all the moms in your life. Your mom, a soon-to-be mom, your wife, your grandma, a dog mom, or treat yourself. That's very cool to do. Send smiles no matter the miles with books.com slash stew. B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash stew. And enter the code stew for 25% off your order. Don't forget to enter the code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus 25% off. It's a great deal at books.com. B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash stew. The media has said a lot about the government's small business loan plan over the past week or so. Most of it about Trump, very little bit of it about actual small businesses. Um, here to give a closer look into all this is radio programming legend and small business owner himself, Mr. Dom Theodore. Dom, thanks for coming on the program. Hey, thanks for having me, Stu. I don't know about legends, but that's, you're too kind. I've already put you in the category. You can't avoid it now. It's on TV, so it counts. <laughs> um, I'm interested to see, because you, cause you uh, obviously you work with uh, the Glenn Beck program, among uh, others. Uh, and you also, however, run several radio stations in, are they all in Michigan? Most of them are Mich in Michigan. Most of them are in Michigan. My wife and I uh, run them. And, you know, she really runs the day-to-day. -day, um, but, yeah, we, we have three radio stations here in uh, west central michigan and you are in a situation where obviously as a radio station owner 
Um, there's these businesses that have been advertising on your radio stations for a long time. All of a sudden, no one's coming into their stores anymore, so they don't have any money and they can no longer run ads. This is happening to people all over the country. The government has said this needs to occur. Um, and so what we were told as these uh, trillions of dollars were going out the door is that small business owners would be taken care of so they wouldn't have to let go of any other employees. Is that the situation you found? Not at all, Stu. You know what? Our, our revenue has dropped 80% and the bills keep coming in and there's no help whatsoever. I, you could tell that the people that wrote this program, this PPP uh, program, have never run a business before mm. <laughs> you know, because the way it's designed, we, we, we tried to get the money. Um, we filled out all the paperwork and it goes into a black hole. We haven't heard anything. We had to lay off almost our entire staff, with the exception of two people that are necessary to keep the operation going. And by the way, the pay- Paycheck Protection Program wouldn't be of much use to us anyway, because a lot of our people are salespeople. What are we going to have them do, sit here and sell nothing? I need the money to compensate us for loss to, so I can make rent payments and, and uh, note payments on, on you know our, uh, our notes and our leases. I don't have any income coming in to do that. So what are we supposed to do? Yeah, it seems like that is the there's a real disconnect into you know, where we see places like, uh, you know, Shake Shack and these big national chains getting money through this small business, uh, you know, loan process. And I understand these are franchises and there's there's you know, there's real people's, uh, you know, livelihood on the line there, too. But when it comes to actually having business people who are trying to get through the day, you know, they can pay you know, they might be able to pay, um, you know, some salaries here and there. But the income is coming um, at a much slower pace because of something the government did. So how are you guys supposed to be made whole from that? Yeah. Well, and the other problem is people are able to make more money on unemployment than they are if we wanted to hire them back anyway. You know, there's we've heard how many stories of people wanting to bring their employees back and the employees don't want to come back because they're making more money on unemployment. I saw the governor of Pennsylvania make a ludicrous statement the other day that. Well, if you want your employees to come back uh, and they're making more money on employment, per, per, on unemployment, perhaps you should give them a raise. I'd love to give my staff a raise. With what money? There's no money coming in right now. Where am I supposed to get the funds to do that? Mm. It is absolutely unbelievable. The unemployment thing is an interesting part of this, too, in that it seems like both like there are some of uh, some businesses that are making the decision. Hey, like I can't keep you on. Go on unemployment. That'll at least carry you over. And these people are sitting there on unemployment being like, well, why would I come back? So now I'm going to be making less money to work than to than to be on unemployment and just get to sit at home and watch Netflix. Like that is not that's not the way you're supposed to run a country. And here's another problem in specific to Michigan. You have uh, an unemployment system that's completely broken. The, the computer systems don't work. I know there's an employee of mine that made a typo entering a number, the Social Security number and can't get a hold of anyone to change it. it. He's gone a month now without being able to get any kind of contact with anybody at uh, the Michigan Unemployment uh, yeah. Commission. There, there's been no help there. They, they have a, a, I'm told the computer system that they're running was written in Cobalt, which is, dates back to the late 70s. It's, out of, <laughs> it's completely broken. You know, you hear all these people advocating for socialism. If you want a taste of what that's going to be like, mm. here it is, folks. Oh, that is that's terrifying. Um, you know, uh, watching this kind of all happen. I'm glad you brought up Michigan because Michigan has pro- maybe been the uh, the shining beacon 
of what is coming to us if we decide to go a certain direction politically. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what is going on there. They, these re- restrictions they've placed with these executive orders have kind of been the shining example of what not to do when you're trying yeah. to get people to go along with something that com- is completely alien to them, which is staying home and not going out there and working. Yeah, well, we, we have a governor here who um, is trying to, uh, you know, she's basically campaigning to be vice president, Biden's vice mm. presidential choice. And, you know, she she shouldn't be in charge of, you know, uh, dog catching. I, this, this governor is the most incompetent fool that I've ever seen. We had in her first executive order, she had a, a prohibition on using motorized boats. But if you wanted to go fishing in, in a non-motorized boat, you could. So <laughs> kayak riding is OK, but anything with a motor is not OK. What does that have to do with COVID-19? <laughs> what, Nothing. You know, or she then, then uh, she prohibited um, mega stores like, you know, Super Walmart, which sells groceries and paint. They had to rope off the paint section. You could go to uh, Home Depot and buy paint, but you can't buy it at Lowe's or you can't buy it at uh, Super Walmart or Meyer, which is a regional grocery store chain here. And by the way, she prohibited advertising anything other than essentials on the air. So not only a prohibition of freedom of speech, but, uh, you know, for the radio stations that we own, we had a buy come from a major, you know, from Meyer, the major grocery store chain here. And they had to cancel the buy because the advertising message was for a coupon program called M Perks that they have. And because that wasn't, quote, essential, um, we lost the advertising dollars that we desperately need right now to keep us alive. And at the same time, the listeners are, want that information. They want to know how to save money right now on groceries. You have a bunch of unemployed families looking for ways to save money right now. That advertisement would have been a benefit to them. But we weren't allowed to run it because of her crazy executive orders. It's it's unbelievable. And I keep coming back to this point of that. When you're asking people to do something that's so unnatural, especially to America, who wants when they when you have a tough situation, you want to go out there and fight. You want to go out there and and, you know, put your nose to the grindstone. You're asking us to do the opposite. And then you're taking away things like church. You're taking away the the, the ability to gather. You're taking away the ability to protest, to buy guns, to just open your business. These you know, when you when you do these things, you are changing the population into uh, a group of people who can't help but act out. They're not going to want to agree to go along nicely with your little rules. You're torturing them. Yeah. And and it's one size fits all. That's the other problem here in Michigan is, you know, most of the cases are in the Detroit area. It's really confined to three counties, Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb County. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, in an area where we have less than 50 cases within 50 miles of, there's no reason to have the same restrictions here as they have in Detroit. I think that might be the biggest story of all of this. Um, You know, look, I think there's a really good case to have New York not going through normal operations right now. It's pretty rough. Detroit seems to be kind of, uh, you know, a a smaller scale because it's a smaller city. But still on that front, it's been pretty ugly there. But this is a big country. And, you know, we go back to the very earliest models that, you know, scared everyone into doing all of this. Uh, The Imperial College model, for example, specifically states that there should be different policies for different states in the United States because you need to have a a, a more um, uh, efficient approach. 
And for whatever reason, that part skipped out of everybody's view. I hope now that we're kind of coming to the end of this period, that's what we're going to see. We're seeing some of that in Texas. I just don't know if you're in a blue state like Michigan, when you're going to get this, because it's there's such a political advantage at targeting Trump um, for not opening up. Is that how you guys see it? I, I that's absolutely how I see it. In fact, I, I think this governor is intentionally trying to make it as bad as possible so that she can frame it as Trump's fault. And that's what this whole thing is. That's the part that's most frustrating is we're basically being penalized out, out of her desire to make a political statement. Uh. You know, this is not it's no longer about public health. You can look at our executive orders and really determine that very little of it has to do with public health. You know, the, the motorized boat thing is an example. I mean, what does that have to do with, with whether or not I'll contract COVID-19? It, it, it's absurd. She's doing this to be um, to make this as politically damaging as possible for Trump. That's all this is about. Well, I will say if you have a motorized boat, you can go from shore to shore and cough on people a lot faster and more efficiently. <laughs> I'm scared about that. Um, let me give you one more here, Dom, because, you know, we're not in we're not in Michigan. We've heard the same talk about uh, the vice presidential choice. I do actually legitimately believe this is probably the most uh, substantial vice presidential pick in history because, you know, Joe Biden is so shaky. We have no idea if he's going to make it through his terms. If he becomes president, the vice president is a big, important job this time. Uh, give us a, your rundown on, on who Gretchen Whitmer is and, and what we should expect from her. You know, um, I think it, you can see based on what we've already seen in you know her behavior here. She she's um, a political operative for the Democratic Party. That's that's what she is. Um, you know, she she would love to be uh, a, a dictator. Um, she she'd make a great third world country dictator because that's what she's turning Michigan in. She's mm, all right. I, I think I think everyone should be really scared if if he chooses her. As a vice presidential candidate, everyone should be really scared that she's that close to the White House. Mm. All right. Dom Theodore, got to leave it there. As I said, radio legend, uh, programming legend <laughs> from uh, up in Michigan right now. Uh, Dom, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Be safe. Stay, stay afloat up there in Michigan. It doesn't seem like the easiest thing in the world to do these days. We're back in a second. It's now been 32 days since Joe Biden was accused of sexual assault, and it's now been zero times he's been asked about it. 32 days, got an entire month plus. Incredible. Despite dozens of interviews, by the way, uh, Joe, they just can't find a minute to ask him about the sexual assault uh, uh, accusation. Considering they believe all women, I'm surprised a little bit by that. But I mean, believing all women is a ridiculous standard, as we know. The correct standard should be believing all women that accuse Republicans. Much easier standard uh, to to because you don't have to deal with any of the Hollywood people. There's a lot of Democrats going through this right now. If you just say the ones that, re, that accuse Republicans are credible, your job's way easier. OK, uh, first of all, we had the accusation made by uh, Tara Reid from 1993. She said it occurred in 1993. She was the staffer. That part of it's confirmed. People do remember her working there. They do remember her oddly disappearing from her role in kind of an unexplained way. Did she do something wrong? Kind of was the implication that maybe she's, she was tossed out of there. Then somehow we stumbled across the idea that maybe her mom called into Larry King live uh, and said something about the accusation. Here's the clip. They uncovered it. 
We're back. A couple more phone calls on this very important topic. Our guests are former United States Senator Howard Baker, Howard Richard Allen, former National Security Advisor, and Lois Romano of the Washington Post. Mm. San Luis Obispo, California. Hello. Yes, hello. Um, I'm wondering what um, uh, a, a staffer uh, would to do besides go to the press in Washington. My daughter has just left there. Uh, after working for a prominent senator and could not get through with her problems at all. And the only thing she could have done was go to the press, and she chose not to do it out of respect for him. Or she had a story to tell, but out of respect for the person she worked for, she didn't tell it. That's true. Uh oh. Yeah, but these are the people who do come to yeah, the It's not good. Right? And the staff worker who says, I want to let you know. I feel about like, what's like going a thousand on. years old just listening to him talk. The point here is that uh, there was contemporaneous accounts of this that went on. Now we have a fourth person who is a, uh, a former neighbor of Tara Reid said she heard of this story in 1995, 1996. Her, her quote is, this happened and I know it did because I remember talking about it. Now she is saying this sexual assault happened. However, she is a Biden supporter. She wants everyone to know that, which is a weird stance to take. Like you're asking for a rapist to be, I don't under. Like if you if you I can understand if you like if you believe there's accusations against all sorts of politicians, if you don't believe them, it's one thing you can say, OK, well, I don't really believe them or I don't think it's true, so I can still support them. But it's another thing to actually think it's true and still support them. That's dedication. That's the type of fan you want right there. Uh, someone who will excuse even the worst possible behavior. We'll have more updates on this as they come, unlike the mainstream media. I want to take a second and talk to you about the classic learning test, also referred to as the CLT exam. It would have been possible uh, just a few months ago to think about a scenario in which the SAT or ACT would actually be canceled. Doesn't seem possible. Didn't seem possible. Fortunately, CLT has been preparing uh, for this type of uh, situation for a long time. Rather than canceling any tests due to COVID-19, CLT has tripled the testing dates available this spring. Uh, if you have a kid that's going into college, if you are a kid going into college, you're thinking, how am I going to do this? I can't even take the SAT. What's going to happen to me? Well, the CLT exam is there for you. Many parents and students in America still do not know about the CLT exam. Uh, but you know what? Tens of thousands of students have taken this. Actually, even more than that, hundreds of colleges have uh, looked to the CLT as well. The classic learning test. Uh, same day results. You can do it uh, remotely. It's fantastic. Go to cltexam.com. The register for the June 20th official uh, college entrance exam. Go to cltexam.com. It's cltexam.com. If you see something, say something. Remember that great slogan from right after the terrorist attacks of 2001? Um, I'm not entirely sure that calling the fuzz on our neighbors for walking their dog five feet away from our closed front doors is the appropriate scenario for that same response. Here to discuss that and more in a post-coronavirus world, Sarah Gonzalez, host of The News and Why It Matters, and of course, Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered on YouTube. Make sure you go subscribe there. Sarah, you are having an interesting weekend in quarantine as you fight off the Karens from around the state. It's, you know what, it's a tough job still, yeah. but someone's got to do it, and I'm not saying that... Uh, I'm the hero that uh, we deserve, but I'm the hero that we need. Well, well we're all calling you a hero. That's already been done. <laughs> uh, this is amazing because it's a it's something that's very frustrating. I know my wife is very frustrated by it. We all uh, apparently now have this right to criticize everyone else 
that we see if they're not doing these social distancing protocols exactly the way they're supposed to be done, or at least the way we perceive mm-hmm. they're supposed to be done. You know, I saw a lot of criticism about uh, some of the beaches that opened mm-hmm. this weekend. And, you know, I, I thought that was fascinating because how do you know what their situation is? If there's two people, you know, there's a bunch of people they could live together. They could be roommates. You don't know their situation, but people can't stop themselves from taking pictures and criticizing all the time. Yeah. And I mean, what's really interesting about at least the beach situation is that it came at a time where we've got this evolution of information. We've got the the press briefing on Friday where they told us that sunlight. I mean, I, I read the quote from the top DHS scientist who said sunlight kills it quicker than anything else. Heat and humidity are going to, you know, reduce the transmission of this virus because mm-hmm. it cannot survive in these climates. And so we've got this evolution of information. We've got these people telling us these things. And still, you've got these non-believers who just <laughs> want to stay shut in their houses and not only stay shut in their houses, but keep everyone else shut in their houses, too, because God forbid you have fun when I'm shut in my house. Yeah. That, that is the attitude. And then there are the Karens. That's, that's, that's how they came to be. That's what they do. You're not allowed to have fun because they, you know what? If they are staying in their house and they are not having fun and they are yelling at their husbands, you're going <laughs> to not have fun and be miserable too. Uh, that's that's true. And never yell at your husband. That's never a good idea. Because <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I think the airflow too outside is going to be a big part of this. I think we're going to wind up finding out that the outdoor stuff is almost, almost exclusively okay unless you're right in someone's face screaming at them. Um, which, you know, that's a little bit of a different story, but not all that common unless you have a Karen who is right. probably screaming at you. We saw a, um, uh, a teacher, I think, yes. um, busting on a couple of kids for not social distancing properly. This is a crazy story. Yeah, so the, it's a high school math teacher, apparently, in New Jersey who just went ballistic on these kids for playing football at a park. Now, I'm, I realize I'm a female, Right. But Mm -hmm. I do watch football Mm -hmm. uh, every now and then. And I do notice that while they are both touching the ball, they do stay pretty far apart when they're playing catch. (laughs) Yes. It's really boring to play when you're just handing it off to each other. Right. That's what my presumption is that they are old enough that they can complete a pass (laughs) within six feet. Right. It sounds like they are. So it's two yards in football terms. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Two yards. Like I said, Mm -hmm. I am a female. That's true. So (laughs) I'm just going by the social distancing guidelines of six feet. Yeah. I believe that they did meet that. Again, I got it. They're, They're tossing the same football. But this woman comes up, screams in their faces, tells, well, not in their faces, but screams at them, tells them uh, that she's there to save their lives. Oh, but by the way, I hope you die. Yeah, it was, I hope you die, wasn't it? From a teacher. A long, painful death, actually. Not even a normal, quick death. Uh, I wonder how long she's going to be a teacher after this. I don't know. In in New Jersey, maybe it's fine. I got to tell you, if if I find out that my kid is being taught by a woman who did that, I am not leaving the school until action is taken. <laughs> yes. You know, it so. seems rational. Yeah. Uh, again, unless you're catching the ball with your mouth, uh, the chances are you're not going to have that much of a problem, especially as when you're done, you wash your hands or, you know, uh, most of these activities are going to wind up being really just fine. Um, yeah. But, you know, look, I, I understand there's uncertainty. We've gone through this period here where we've done all this stuff. We're at the back end of it. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit in Texas today. Uh, Greg Abbott makes a big announcement. Did you hear all the details of this? I did. I was looking into most of them. Mm-hmm. He did. That was a very long press conference, yeah. and we, we taped right after it started. But I did catch most of it, um, and I was impressed. Mm-hmm. You like it? Because it, now, correct me if I'm wrong, like malls, stores, retail stores, restaurants, all free to open at 25% capacity, right? Correct. 
Um, and that, that does not include, I believe, gyms. And, and that's a huge thing for me. You know, like I, as you can see, you know, huh. just, just with your eyes, obviously, you can see that I'm at the oh. gym almost all the time when it's open. Oh. And I've had a real tough time because for the last six weeks, haven't been able to go. Yeah. So that one's tearing me apart, but uh-huh. I understand that's not for everybody. I don't mm. want to make this all about me. Right. Um, but gyms, salons, um, a few other things, not Bars. open. Bars. I do think that part of this is the reason why you saw Trump come out and um, get critical of Kemp publicly. He's sending a warning to his red state brethren, please don't do this yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does seem like Abbott went along with that. But, I mean, it's, there's a lot of stuff that's going to actually open now. Yeah, there is. And, I, I mean, I will say I was, I was impressed by it only because I, we need to reopen at some level, yeah. right? There are still issues with it that I have. Mm-hmm. For one— you, you know, you talk about the gyms and the bars and all of these other things that are deemed non-essential. But when you're talking about feeding your family and you're talking about not only business owners, but employees who work in these, you know, uh, establishments, it's all essential yeah. in my point of view. And if you can maintain social distancing in all of these places, there shouldn't be a reason why. Like, why can a restaurant maintain social distancing, but not a bar? Right. I mean, I guess the only argument there would be that people get drunk and then they forget about all the rules, which is uh, plausible. I'm not going to say I mean, you could do that in a restaurant, too. You could do that in a restaurant, too. Um, Although maybe you're sitting at a table. It's a little bit there's a little bit of a built in rule following there. But still, I I agree with you in that it's it's a little bit arbitrary. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the gym thing, I think this is how fast this information has developed. I remember when the gyms closed down initially. I think I thought to myself, I mean, you know, look, the NBA closing down, a bunch of sweaty dudes bumping into each other. Like, I can understand why. Well, you know, it's not passed through sweat like this. So that's not something that's actually real. We thought that at the beginning. It's not real now. Um, I don't know why that's included uh, in the in the issue. But I think like the idea here and correct me if you got any different sense from the press conference is let's just peek our head out of the door a little bit because I and I do think this instinct is correct. If we open everything out uh, uh, like all in one day and everyone goes out and just starts living their life, which they won't do. I mean, it's, we're going to have a cut down uh, amount anyway, even if we open it up to 100 percent. But you would risk a bigger sort of flare up and a flare up is going to cause all sorts of headaches. Let's do this slowly and right and make sure we're already down this road this far. Let's make sure we're not going back down this road. Yeah, I completely agree. I just find the arbitrary designation of essential versus non-essential yeah. just to be re- absolutely ridiculous. Because if you're going to allow places to open at 25%, then allow all places to open at 25%, right? You've, yeah. you've already got the reduced capacity. You've already got the social distancing built in. What's the difference between a hair salon and the restaurant? Yeah, and Other than the hair salon doesn't sell alcohol. Yeah. And the restaurant does. Right. Right. The, so the hair, like someone had pointed out to me and, uh, you know, that that nails. OK, you're kind of like face to face, pretty close to each other. Maybe there's an argument there. But like the hair thing, they're, like they're standing behind you. They're going to get covid out of your hair. I mean, if they're doing a Joe Biden sniffing your hair thing, maybe that could happen. But it doesn't seem very likely. No, it doesn't. Well, and I mean, as the Dallas salon owner pointed out, who just said, screw it, I'm opening up anyway. These are the people who are trained in sanitizing yeah. all of their items, in sanitizing their entire workstation. I mean, these are the people that I would trust <laughs> yeah. far more than some, you know, random cashier at an alcohol store. Right, like, yeah, totally. I mean, think about their job every day. They have to be grossed out by at least half the customers that come in, right? <laughs> like, that has to be part of the gig. So they're going to want to sanitize. Like, you don't have to tell them to sanitize. Right. They want to be sanitized. It's already built in. I do think, too, there's a part of that, in particular, that, you know, that's grooming, right? I mean, I know we all kind of think of it as a salon and it's like, oh, people are going there to get pretty. Well, it's grooming and it's like it's essential to a lot of people. I, I, that one is a strange one to me to leave out. 
Um, but again, I guess we're at the point where we've been pushed down for five weeks and we will take literally any good news. It's true. <laughs> you know where we are. It's true, which yeah. is a sad state of affairs. Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, I just need my husband to get a haircut so he can stop complaining oh. that he hasn't gotten a haircut. Yes. I just need for it to happen. <laughs> I mean, I'm dying yeah, over no, here. I know. I, I'm at the point now where, like, it's just getting a little shaggy. It's getting, I'm getting to, like, almost like Jim from the office levels of hair. I mean, I've I was. too much. I, I noticed and I was going to say something. No, it's bad. I I, it's okay. I'm willing to, you know what? I'm willing to do a Floby haircut on this show. Have you not uh, done it yet? No, are you oh, kidding me? Oh my gosh, you need to do it. If you give me like, let's say 25,000 YouTube followers, I and mean, we're not going to get to Sarah Gonzalez unfiltered levels, I got it. <laughs> but if we can get to like 25,000 YouTube, uh, I'll, I'll do the whole, I'll, oh. I'll, you can come in and do it if you want. Oh my gosh, with, with I'm in, let's yeah? do it. All right, oh, tell all of your friends to subscribe right now. We got to do it. <laughs> that was probably a mistake. I probably shouldn't have done that. I should have run that by the wife first, but uh, yeah, you, she's we're friends. friends. Yeah, you're friends. You can fine. talk her into it. Um, I, I do think that there's a, a, a situation here here where some sensibility comes in and we talked about this earlier in the show the the initial imperial college model the scariest one they released right said specifically in it states should come up with different approaches come up with more efficient approaches because it's not a, a one size fits all thing for the united states of america it's too freaking big Maybe we get to a place where we can actually have that come true and say, you know what, maybe South Dakota can do something a little different than Manhattan. Yeah, well, I think it takes a lot of guts for, you know, these governors to just kind of say, OK, I'm t I'm taking the fall here if something goes wrong. Yeah. Right. Because if they if they separate themselves from that model, then they are saying I'm taking this on. I'm taking responsibility for it instead of just being able to pass the buck off and say, well, it was the model's fault. We were just following the model. Right. We were just following the you know federal guidelines. No we one's going to listen to that. Right. So, I mean, I just I do think that there is a lot of pressure. And typically when we see politicians, you know, they have a lot of pressure. They don't want to actually go out and take a stand on something. Right. And so that's what a lot of them did. They yeah. didn't want to go out and, and actually come up with their own policy that they would have to be held accountable for. Yeah. And I got to think, you know, we were talking to Dom Theodore, who, who lives in Michigan earlier on today's show. And here's a guy who's in a blue state, but a state that's purple. Right. I, it must be incredibly frustrating to see this because you have to acknowledge that a lot of the stuff from blue state governors is just trying to make this scary thing about Trump. We can blame Trump for every death if we can get past this little thing. And that is not the right approach. You know, three quarters of your state is probably completely fine to open. And these governors are just playing national politics. That has got to be infuriating. That's why you got to love living in a state like Texas. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, and I mean, if you add up all of the, the cancer diagnoses and uh, the vaccines that are not being had from preventive visits for children, yeah, yeah. you add up all of those things. It'll be interesting to see in hindsight how many deaths, yeah. if you really look at the scale and say coronavirus or all of the deaths that, you know, weren't accounted for when you shut down the economy. Yeah. I mean, it's, and there could have been such a, a much better balance. And we've, I know we've talked about that from the beginning. It's not unfortunately, we just can't go back. Right. We can't go back and, and change it. Right. So what do we do now? I think this is the right path. We're going to watch it very closely and hopefully, um, you know, number one, hopefully it'll turn out well. Number two, I don't have to get my hair cut by a Floby from Sarah because no. that's, that's not a good outcome for well, anybody. That is. That's or, great. At least for me. Uh, Sarah Gonzalez, host of the News and Why It Matters. Also, Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered on YouTube. Uh, thanks for coming on the program. And of course, even though uh, you may have n doubted my commitment to fitness in the gym, which I, I, I just saw it in your eyes. A little bit. Um, you know, you can still see. <laughs> Uh, you can still see the, <laughs> you get all our content. You can get News and Why It Matters, Glenn Beck programs, This Dude Does America, all the shows that you know and love here. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. They're not going to know it because you're like, I want the guy with all the abs.
they're not going to know who that is. Uh, get 30 bucks off your subscription price. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu. Back in a second. If we've learned anything lately, it's you need to be prepared. That's why now is the time to order your self-quarantine shirt. The one that says, sorry, can't make it, self-quarantined. Why? Because we're going to be coming out of quarantine soon. People are going to invite you to things that you do not want to attend. What better way to tell them, absolutely not, get out of my face, than going to studosmerch.com and getting the t-shirt. Sorry, can't make it, self-quarantined. We'll see you tomorrow.